we are still going to be talking about uh, our born identity. Amen. Amen. And uh, on Tuesday, please make sure to come for our midweek service. We're also going to have a lot of worship and we're going to pray together as a family. Amen. There's going to be lots of worship and lots of prayer. So if you have issues, which you do, you might want to be here. <laughs> Amen. We know that. Hallelujah. Alright, quickly, hold your Bible. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Woo! We said the process of identity was number one. You're supposed to know your God. Amen? You're supposed to know your God. And number two, you're supposed to know who you are in Christ. Amen? And number three, you're supposed to know your enemy. And number four, you're supposed to live from your position of identity. And last week we went into the book of Ephesians and we said that the book of Ephesians is divided into two sections. The first three chapters in the book are to reveal or to give us a revelation of what is called a positional truth. Who we are spiritually. So we read scriptures uh, uh, from Ephesians chapter number 1 from verse 18 onwards that declared that you right now are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen? We also read in Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 that you are God's workmanship created unto good works or created for good things. And we say the word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema where we get the English transliteration poem. And what he's simply saying is that you are God's poem. God carefully put you and, and put you together for his purpose. And his purpose is good things. Amen. And we say these are positional truths. These are who you are. This is who you are spiritually. And we said last week that uh, just knowing who you are spiritually is not going to help you if it does not translate into the world that you and I live in. Amen. So the last three chapters in the book of Ephesians takes the positional truth, who you are, all these powerful things that you are, and he brings it back home into how you can uh, 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 physically, if you will, put it into practice where you and I live. Amen? Because <laughs> it's pointless being so heavenly minded that you are earthly no good. It's pointless, husbands, for you to be spiritually seated in heavenly places, but you can't get along with your wife. I don't care how spiritual you are. You are not spiritual, actually. So he says, after having learned who you are spiritually, all of that should translate into becoming a better employer. It should translate into becoming a better husband. It should translate into becoming a better wife. It should translate into becoming better children. Amen? It should translate into becoming a better Christian and a better leader. Amen? Quickly now, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 3 from verse 1. 
Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 1 Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 1 <clears throat> Notice how he starts this uh, last segment of uh, 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 the, the, the book of Ephesians I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called so he just finished telling you about the calling now he's saying you must walk worthy of that calling <laughs> how many of you know that faith is a walk if you can't walk it don't talk it see the problem with the church is we talk big game but we can't walk it this is why unbelievers can't believe when we talk to them you know we're talking big game i'm the head and not the tail above only never beneath you know i'm never anxious but when they really really look at your life you're always anxious you don't look like you're the head and not the tail always complaining amen so he says you must now walk walk it walk worthy of the calling with which you were called now here's what he said let's go to uh verse six of ephesians chapter number four thank you jesus in fact let's start from verse seven so if you again look at the last three chapters the first the first of the three which is chapter number four teaches us how to behave in a church setup amen in a community called the church because ontologically we're all the same but god has given to you and me different giftings and when we come together it should all fit perfectly there shouldn't be any discord it should all fit in order amen so what does he say verse 7 but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift notice he says but to each one of us in other words to everyone there is a grace that God gave so everybody has been given a gift by God amen and if you want to know more about these graces quickly please give me romans chapter number 12 from verse 5 to 8 you will see uh, the graces in romans so everybody should find something here that god has given you that you can do so well watch what he says so we being many are one body in christ and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them see you're only as relevant as your indifference not similarity to another in other words you're only relevant when you are you when you're trying to be someone else you stop being relevant you know why because we might as well get the original amen man i i told you i love joel austin i love him but i'm not joel austin joel austin man he could just get up here and say god loves you if you love your neighbor everything will be all right and then hit you with that smile that smile and then everybody will get out of that service feeling good amen but if i tried to be joel austin i'd be a terrible joel austin but i'll tell you this if joel tried to be tafara he's also going to make a terrible tafara amen so you only as significant when you are in your own calling and you should find yourself in one of these 
He says, if it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So prophecy is one of the graces. Or ministry, let us uh, uh, use it in our ministering. This is serving. There are people who've got administrative skills that are just supernatural. Amen? And he says, if it's teaching, in teaching. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts or encourages, in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. See, there are certain people who have been given a grace or an anointing to be givers. These are people that we call kingdom financiers. You don't have to preach for them to give. Amen? Even when they were unbelievers, they were just givers. You know why? Because it's just a grace on their life. They don't know any other way but to give. Amen? And these are people that God uses typically in the marketplace. He gives them ideas to go and make so much money for the kingdom. Watch what he says. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So all of these are gifts and you should at least find yourself in one of those. Amen? Next, next verse. Back to Ephesians chapter number 4. <clears throat> Verse 7. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that first, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who ascended is also the one who, he who descended is also the one who ascended. Far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. And he himself gave some. Notice prior, he said he gave all. Now when it comes to these gifts, he gave to some. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Notice he gave for the equipping, not exploitation of the saints. Did you see that? He says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers so that they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Man, this is good. When you come into a service set up like this, all you're doing is, is coming here to get equipped. To get the tools so that you can live a life of victory. So at the top of your priority list should be to get a word that will change your life. In fact, to get a word that you are so ready to apply in your life. Not to get one of them to lay hands on you. He never said anything about that. He said they must equip you. Laying hands is good, but beyond that, we are called to equip. Not to excite, to equip. Amen? For the work of the ministry. Watch what he says. What verse am I in now? 12. Okay. For the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. It says the reason why you need the fivefold ministry is so that you are no longer a child children doing what this is what children do they are tossed to and fro and carried about 
with every wind of doctrine. Anything that pops up, they're running with it. Amen? Whatever it is, they're just running with it. You know why? Because they're still children. Hallelujah. And he said, but when we get equipped, we will no longer be children, tossed by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man, in the cunning craftiness of a deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You see that? When you are equipped, you are to realize what God has called you to do in a body like this and do your share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what is he saying? He's saying after learning your position or truth of who you are in Christ, bring it back to a community of believers, fit in perfectly, and watch this, carry your weight. Go to chapter number 5 from verse 22 to 33. The second area, so we dealt with the church. The second area now is dealing with families. Amen? After you become so heavenly uh, 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 focused, you know you're seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, and so on and so forth. This is where it comes down to. What, how, 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 how are you leading your family? Because all of, see, all of these truths, if they cannot translate into your day-to-day -day living, we're wasting our time. Amen? So he brings it to Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse 22. Watch what it says. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Notice it didn't say wives, submit to men. It didn't say women, submit to men. Did you see that? He said, wives, submit to your own husband. He didn't even say submit to the uh, National Husbands Association of South Africa says to your own husbands. In, in fact, what it essentially means, ladies, is that you get to pick the fool you want to submit to. You have a choice. <laughs> Amen. And notice the word submit. This is where a lot of people have made the mistake. Submission is not an act. Submission is an attitude. That produces obedience. The, the reason why most marriages fail is because uh, 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 most wives are both in, in, in subordination, is that what it's called? And, and, and in disobedience as well. You can be in submission and still be in disobedience. Say, honey, we're not having chicken tonight unless you want to cook, you know? You, you're being nice about it. Your attitude is right. And guess what? He might receive it. Please don't try this at home. Amen. But what am I saying? What I'm saying is submission is an attitude that produces the act of obedience. If you don't have the attitude of submission and then you just obey, you are in slavery. So before you act it out, you should make sure your heart is in it. Amen. So he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Next verse. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
And all the men said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Without realizing that this is a position of accountability. This is just not cosmetics. When God said, okay, Baba, now you are the head of your wife, all he's saying is when things fall apart, I'm not coming to your wife. I'm coming to the one I put in charge. Amen? So while you're saying, yeah, 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 you must also realize the magnitude of the responsibility. Amen? You remember in the garden? See, and, and again, it's the spiritual people. In fact, I'm, I'm tempted to say the so-called spiritual people that mess up these laws. You know why? Because they think being spiritual is just being spooky. No, being spiritual is not being spooky. After all your spookiness, it needs to boil down to how are you running your home? Because if you really are spiritual, these principles should align. Amen? says, now husbands, you are the heads. In other words, when things fall apart, I'm coming to you. Remember the story in the garden? Who ate of the fruit first? It was Eve. And she took some for the husband, but when God came looking for the culprit, who did he look for? You know why? Because it was Adam who was in charge. So gentlemen, when, when your marriage doesn't work, and, and, and surely it, it was your wife's fault, when God comes looking for the culprit, let me be the one to announce, he's not going to your wife. Even when it was a fault. He's coming to the El Presidente. The CEO. And that CEO is the man. He says to you, husbands, you are the head of your wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and is the savior of the body. Next verse. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Watch this in everything. Next verse. Husbands. Now to you, gentlemen. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. You know, for a very long time, women have complained to say, Pastor, we got the short end of a very long stick when God told us to submit. I think it's the dudes that got it bad. He said you must do it as. That word as, mean, it means to the degree. He says the way you should love your wife is to the degree that Christ loved the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? My goodness. My goodness. Did you see that? So what, what he's saying is positionally, you are seated in heavenly places. Far above all principality, you are God's workmanship. But that should translate into you loving your wife with the Lord of sacrifice. Amen? This is powerful. And he says, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself her next verse that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word 
So if you don't know the word, gentlemen, you can't wash your wife. Did you see that? He said not, he didn't say by the washing of correction. He says by the washing of the word. The only way you can edify or minister to your wife, gentlemen, is by the word and through the word. Well, pastor, I want my wife to be a lot more smarter. Okay, how smart are you in the word? Because that's what it boils down to. Amen? Did you know that the Bible actually appoints the man to be the priest of his house? He even says to the man, if you can't lead your own household, I don't want you to lead in my house. Say, dude, if you, if you can't lead your own household, I don't want you in my house. Because charity begins where? Man, we don't want leaders that, you know, come up here and you're trying to take offering and your wife is saying, mm-hmm. And everyone else thinks you're powerful, but your wife is like. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> and you know what? Your wife will be looking at all of us like fools. <laughs> like they don't know. <laughs> She'll be like. <laughs> and for real, you're flowing in the anointing, and people are crying, falling over. But your wife is like, uh, only if they knew. Amen? So he's saying here, you must wash it by the washing of the word. Oh, two, mo- two minutes? Oh, two more minutes? And it's communion Sunday? Okay, we might as well stand. It's time out. We'll do it next week. Amen? Which one? Oh, communion is next week? Yeah. Okay, all right. It's next week? Someone told me it was... Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Okay, where are we? Uh, Okay, uh, thank you, thank you. Okay, what else does he say? Next verse. That he might present here to himself a glorious church. You see, this is the same thing. He's still talking about the wife. As, a hus- as, a, as, as the church and you know kind of interchanging it so he's saying present her to himself so the way you minister to your wife is what you get amen so he's ministering to her by the washing of the word so that he may present her to himself so whatever you're doing to your wife gentlemen it is so that you can present it and this is what's interesting about women Women take whatever you give them and work on it and and multiply it and give it back to you ten times than you gave it to them. You know, if you give them seed, they will multiply it nine months. In about nine months, they'll give you back a baby. If you give them love, they'll take it and multiply it in the incubator and give you back some more love. Amen? If you give a strive, you take that strive and, and work on it and multiply it. And you get 10 times. Whatever you give, you, you're going to present that to yourself the way you give it. Amen? They say a statement in the world. They say, uh, hell hath no fury. What do they say? That's true. You know why? Because she's just taking what you give her and multiply it and give it back to you. So you must wash her with that word. What am I saying? 
wash her with good words. In fact, in Ephesians chapter number 4, it says that let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that, that which is filled with grace, that which is good, so that it may minister grace to the hearer. And it's the same principle for those who are in marriage. Let, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but minister grace. Speak good things to each other. Amen? And don't, don't, don't write each other off. You know, through your words. You know, they might have done something stupid, but don't say, you are stupid. Amen? Because now you've just written them off. Amen? Next verse. Alright. Okay, okay, back. To himself, a church not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. It is our responsibility, gents. Next verse. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So you could literally read that scripture that we read before uh, the other way or read what it's not saying. And here if he says, he who loves his wife loves himself, you can replace the word loves with the word hates. And it would read, he who hates his wife, and there are people who hate their wives. He who hates his wife hates himself. Next verse. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Let's go to chapter number 6, verse 10. So, you must know how to act in your household, in your marriage. Amen? This is called living from a position of your identity. That's what it is. You are living from your position of identity. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, these are the things that you put on to take to work. Amen. And he says, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles. The word wiles simply means deceptions of the devil. Amen. All Satan has against you is deceptions. It is lies. He does not have authority over you. And when you put on the whole armor, you'll be able to stand against Satan's lies. Next verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We've said this before. People are not your problem. Amen. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickednesses in the heavenly places. Next verse. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with the truth. You must know the truth. Amen. Don't live your life based on facts. Live your life based on the truth. And the only truth we know is the word of God. Having put on the braceplate of righteousness. This is awesome. You should always know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And having shod, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel 
of peace amen what it means is you must feed, you must always be ready to preach the word wherever you are and so it's better to fight the devil in someone else's territory than in your own house amen growing up we used to have crazy 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 bullies and uh, they would come and fight you at your house now if they come and fight you at your house the, you, you are at a disadvantage you know why because while they're fighting you they'll take all your nice cut, cutlery all your nice vases and just slam them to the floor break them to the ground amen so what should you do the reason why is fitting your feet with the readiness to preach the gospel is for you to fight the devil wherever you go all of the time so in other words if you find someone who needs the gospel of peace preach it to them if you find someone who needs healing give it to them in fact divine healing is better fought in someone else's sickness practice healing on someone else and guess what sickness will never come to your house practice prosperity in the arena of giving not in the arena of survival and making a living because you take it to someone else's realm amen and he says uh, above all taking the shield of faith for we walk by faith and not by with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one next verse and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Let us stand on our feet.